0: welcome to the browns blitz today is wednesday december 15th i'm your host rod bloom joining me today is my good friend nick padone how are things going for you nick
1: rod things are going well um things are going especially well now that i'm on your show that i've heard your voice tonight so excited to do this again it's always a blast coming on the browns blitz and i'm looking forward to this one
0: i appreciate that nick Uh, it's good to talk to you again it's been a while
1: yeah definitely it's been a while since we've talked it's been a while since i've been on the show and our browns are nine and four and that's what's really got everybody excited and i know that's why people are listening to us (laughs) yeah i mean nine and four
0: you know coming off this loss to the ravens 47 to 42 i i can't even say 47 42 it should have been 45 42 but anyways um you know, the whole deal with the safety and all that stuff. But that was
1: scoregami. That was scoregami, Rod. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time an NFL game has ended forty seven forty two. One of the unique scores in football.
0: Is that right? I didn't yeah. even know that.
1: Yeah, so that's scoragami. So that there's only a couple I, I think it's like a hundred and maybe twenty combinations of unique scores that are possible that haven't happened yet. And that was one of them. Forty seven to forty two.
0: Wow. That is that's incredible.
1: Yeah, that fun was fact. that
0: was nice of the Browns to, to tack on those two points for the Ravens to make it in that way. But you know, I mean it, it was a loss. That was that was one of the craziest um you know, I hate to say it from a Browns fans standpoint, but one of the best games, you know, I've probably ever seen. Uh, just from just from a watching it enjoyment. Um, point of view, you know, just if you're just if you're a fan of, of, you know, just a football fan watching a game, not rooting for either team. That was that was a tremendous football game to watch. Yeah. And you know, I was I was upset for a couple minutes after the game because of the loss, but after that, I'm like, yeah, nine and four. The Browns put up a heck of a fight. They they could have easily won that game. So. You know what? It, it didn't feel like the typical loss that we've had in prior years. Uh, you know, maybe even maybe even the other losses earlier this season. Uh, it, it just felt different. And I don't want you know it, it's still a loss, so I don't want to downplay it too much. But but man, there's just something different about this team that this loss just just didn't hurt the same way because you feel like it didn't. Knocked this team down. I just feel like they're going to show up next week and be just as ready to go out and play as they were, you know, before this Ravens game, whereas in prior seasons, you're always afraid, man, they, if they, they take a loss that, that, Oh, here we go. You know, they're right. going they're to they're get on a roll. They're <laughs> going to start losing. And, and, and the seasons, you know, the season's done because they're not going to win again.
1: Yeah. And I think it's different. You know, I think, like you said, for me, here's where I'm at on Wednesday as we're recording this. You know, that game was so much fun, even in a loss. And like you said, one of the most fun football games that I've ever watched because I left that game having the sense of that I'm going to be able to watch a lot more of those from my favorite football team for the next how many ever years, because the two most important parts of a football team that this organization hasn't had since 1999 is a good quarterback and a good coach, and now you have both of those seemingly going together at the same time. And the offense was very, very good. Obviously, I'm sure we're going to talk about the defense was very bad. And like you said, you don't want to walk away from it like tooting your horn too much. But old Browns team at halftime down two scores doesn't rally back. They don't rally back in the fourth quarter down two scores either because at halftime, the Ravens would have just blown us out of the water for old Browns team. So that's why I feel like so refreshed after this one, just to see that they reacted differently and they truly were in it until the last play when they tried doing the vertical thing with the safeties.
0: Well, I was kind of concerned because you think about it, the, the last few wins for the Browns, they've kind of gone up big early you know, you think of the Titans game. They, they were up so far in that first half, and it was just kind of the Browns against the clock in the second half. You know, and then this game, right. they're down, and it's like, well, you know, can they turn it on in the second half of the game? And all they do is come out, and, you know, just in the fourth quarter alone, they scored 22 points in the fourth quarter. That's, you know, that's it, amazing. And the, uh, I mean, the Ravens' defense is pretty darn good defense normally
1: right and that, and that's another thing you know we haven't seen baker struggle against defenses that don't disguise things and Whit martindale was doing everything that he could that's the ravens d coordinator to just throw baker off of his game and he did he got him you know when bowser backtracked and was able to get that interception to break baker's really good interception streak that he had yeah. going on of throwing completed balls but Man, it was so refreshing to see that the Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt thing still worked, but that yeah. it wasn't completely reliant on that. You know, that down 14 when the Browns need Baker to throw to have a chance to win a football game, that they can. That That's a viable option. And that was definitely what was on display on Monday.
0: This, this team just doesn't give up on... I'm not going to say the cliche of this team doesn't give up. This team doesn't give up on what it wants to do. Uh, you, you look at Richard Higgins with the, you know, the couple drops, fumble, you know, whatever. Um, at the beginning of the game, they just kept going to him. And he turned yeah. out, you know, he had some nice plays. I think he ended up with six six catches on the game. And, you know, um, they, they, just keep, they just keep sticking with what they know is going to work for them. They don't let the other team dictate. Um I mean Baker three hundred and forty three yards passing. Um I mean the Browns the Browns really dominated this game, their their offense. I mean Browns led in time of possession and yards, you know, and, and all kinds of stuff in this game. Um uh, the Ravens had, had a few things, you know, positive obviously that went their way and and it was enough for them to get the win. But um you know, I I hate to just look at a bunch of stats because this game was worth this game was so much <laughs> more than just stats. You know, this game was um, just teams going at it. Uh, two teams that were very confident in their offenses, and and the announcers were were, at, were actually right. Um, I like to get on on the announcers on TV because a lot of times they're you know they're very negative toward the Browns but they said the team who had the ball last was probably going to win. And that's what happened. And I was texting with my brother, you know, at the end. And I'm like, when the Browns were driving down and I'm like, man, they got to eat some clock. They got to eat some clock. And then when Kareem got in, we're like, man, I, I hope that they overturn it and give the Browns the ball with the one. <laughs> so they can right. at least run one more play because I'm like, man, I, I'm not going to say, you know, that I, that I knew they were going to lose or anything like that, or I didn't have any faith, but, but man, they, you know, I wanted him to run a little bit more time off that clock.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Same. And I mean, yeah, that was the same when I was watching it too. I was like, man, I hope we didn't score too soon. And Kevin Stefanski did talk about that um, after the game. I think it was on Monday. He just spoke to the notion of he didn't really think the pitch to the halfback was going to score. In that situation, you know, it was just a yeah. heck of a personal, you know, a personal effort by Kareem Hunt to make that dive to the goal line, to the pylon to score because any normal <laughs> running back that's not all world like Kareem Hunt is like probably doesn't get in in that situation. Right. But Kareem He's- did and we scored and. As like, crazy as it's yeah, and as yeah. crazy as it sounds, and the last thing that I'm gonna do is like rip on Stefanski for scoring too quick because how many years have we watched this football team oh, where know. they can't score at all? So I'm <laughs> not gonna I'm not gonna be mad at them for scoring and sit here and say that oh you know you should have tried not to score so fast. Like that's just silly, I think. But I do think that there's some kind of way that I don't know because I'm not a head coach and I never want to be that Kevin Stefanski will find because he's a smart dude. So a situation like that doesn't happen again. As crazy as it sounds with under two minutes after the warning, I think he's smart enough to make adjustments. So we don't lose in that fashion again. And all the losses so far, he's proven to make those adjustments week to week.
0: Yeah, he'll, he'll learn from that, definitely. I agree. And, yeah, I, I'm not blaming anybody, definitely. I mean, you can't blame Kareem Hunt for the effort. And you can't blame uh, Kevin Stefanski for the calls. Uh, you know, it's, it's the way it worked out. And the defense still had a chance to make stops. And it just didn't happen. And it was still a uh, – I'm trying to think how long the, uh, the field goal was. It was still a pretty long field goal wasn't was it not
1: yeah it was 55 yards and it
0: just so. justin
1: tucker is so good man it, that looked yeah. like it could have been good from 70 yeah
0: yeah <laughs> i mean sitting there hoping that justin tucker's gonna miss it's kind of like yeah yeah probably not but right <laughs> you know it was it was a great game i i want to get your thoughts on the uh on the exchanges after the game between baker and and Lamar and, and Kevin Stefanski and John Harbaugh, and you know we we want to hate the Ravens so bad, you know <laughs> they stole our right. team, you know everybody calls them the Ratbirds, and and we hate each other on Twitter and all this stuff. Man, it was kind of heartwarming the exchanges <laughs> that I saw between those guys. I kind of I kind of thought, man, you know what? it, it it's almost kind of cool that that these guys get along and that they're able to go out and battle and battle. But, but, that they have this respect for each other within the division.
1: Yeah, it's it's super cool to see, and it's it's such a cliche, you know, that your enemies off the on the field, but off the field, you know, you could be friends. And there's so many cliches that go into it. But I think the biggest thing is that the NFL is a brotherhood, and that's something that gets talked about a lot as well but these guys, you know, talking about at least Baker and Lamar Jackson, same draft class, you know, so they went through the combine stuff together, they went through the pro day process together, they, even like little minute things that you wouldn't think of, like the day that they get their, you know, rookie sports cards, you know, that's a, a time where the rookie classes are together with tops, with paninis, at autograph signings, at the Super Bowl, you know, when neither team makes it, each of those guys are making a period experiences and just hanging out and seeing each other there. And it's something that they have in common that nobody else knows about, you know, as much as we like to talk about it, we follow the team so closely, Rod, like closer than just the average fan even, and people that cover the team we'll never know what it's like to stand under center and take snaps. And that's something that those two obviously know about and that only 32 other guys in the league know about. So there, there definitely is kind of a closer bond than just like Browns versus Ravens. And it definitely was cool yeah. to see, especially because – Sometimes uh, another thing that aggravates me, and they're going to bring up the Miles Garrett, you know, drama situation with the helmet swing from last year until they're blue in the face. Like that's just part of miles's resume at this point, And right. it's not going to go away for a long time. And he's aware of that and he's embraced that. And he, in my opinion, he's overrode that with more positive things, but the negative things oh. that are said about this football team in, in general, you know, Baker had some troubles at OU and I think that gives him a lot of, you know, doubters and naysayers about his attitude and about his just like emotional intelligence, you know, with the nut grab and with the rude, with the gestures and getting arrested. But in Cleveland, as far as we're concerned and as far as anybody really knows, outside of some crazy Cheesecake Factory rumors, he's kind of been like the model citizen. He, he
0: has. He has. I mean, people have gotten on him for you know, like like last season, you know, saying he came in out of shape and things like that. But nothing, you know, not not the pure drama, not getting in trouble, right. things like that. That you know, things that you really want him to avoid.
1: Right, and so that agree. and that was the concern. You know, the Johnny comparisons before the draft. Like it's just <laughs> been polar. It's just been polar opposite. It's night and day with with this guy. So it definitely was classy after the game and. I love when the NFL does, you know, releases that kind of stuff. And a little birdie told me that uh, Kevin Stefanski mic'd up. When that does drop, maybe tomorrow or you know later in the week, that it's like a really good one. It's gonna have fans fired up.
0: Nice. You know, I think that when I saw that video, uh, you know, uh, especially of Stefanski and Harbaugh, I think that's, I think that's the most respect I've seen. From another team toward the Browns in 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 years, and I think that's why that kind of hit me.
1: Yeah, Um, I mean, all the Browns have done
0: this year, and that's really the first time I've really seen it like that. You know, these guys realize that that the Browns are you know are are for real, and the Browns can can play with them.
1: Yeah, they're actually respecting them. Yeah, and how, how about at the at the very end of the clip, Harbaugh tells Stefanski maybe we could run into you guys in the playoffs if we win a few more games. Like what kind of alternate universe are we living in? we opposing head coaches are telling the Browns head coach, Hey, maybe we'll see you guys in the playoffs. And, and it's not sarcastic. It's not facetious because the Browns, <laughs> the Browns are going to be in there. It,
0: it's, it's just crazy. I mean, I, I still have to kind of pinch myself of the way this season's gone. I knew the Browns had some talent, and I, you know, I I liked the the Andrew Berry hire, and I thought Stefanski had a chance to to grow into a, a you know a good head coach. I mean, obviously, he he had no head coaching experience. So how do you really know? How do you really right. know? You, you don't right. expect guys to come in out of the gate and and be a great NFL head coach. And I'm not saying he's great yet. So, you know, I really thought it would take him some time, uh, especially with the way the season started. I thought it'd take him a few games to kind of gel, and, you know, they take some early lumps and then kind of get on track near midseason and get some wins and, you know, maybe win eight or nine games this year if, they, if things went well. It, it's, it's, been, um, it's just been unreal. I mean, these guys have bought in. Um, Stefanski's just been phenomenal. Uh, We've got contributions from just guys all over the roster. And, you know, I just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just so excited about this team and it's not even for this season. It's for, it's for the future of this team and where it's going. And the fact that we're probably, we probably have a head coach who's going to be here for who knows how long.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, it's refreshing and it's so different. You know, even if you look not so big picture at this season, we're in week 15 of the NFL. This time is usually prime, like mock draft season. We're planning, you know, we're even looking towards the second round in week 15 and yeah. year in Cleveland Brown's years past, but. Now we're looking at, like, playoff seating. It's just so different than anything that we've seen before. And what's impressed me the most is they've won the games that they were supposed to, which they started to learn how to do last year under Kitchens. And I'll give him a little bit of credit there because I Mm -hmm. definitely dragged him through the mud on my show tonight. But um, (laughs) they're winning the games that they're supposed to win and a little bit extra. And any team in the NFL, when you take care of your business against the bad teams and you do a little bit more, that that's what the recipe to get in the wild card. I don't know if you could win a division that way and really make a, pl- a splash in the playoffs and get to a Super Bowl. But all, all it takes, we're seeing, is to just win a few games. You don't even have to look good doing it. The Browns played a quarter of their season on Neptune. It snowed. It sleeted. Yeah. It, it grumbled or whatever it was called. It was windy. And they still managed to win a few of those games. So so that's what's so refreshing to me. Because like you said, Rod, old Browns, after that Raiders loss, they would have just unraveled, and that would have been it.
0: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about Kevin Stefanski and and just try to figure this out. The Browns have had so many head coaches.
1: And (laughs) without even
0: understanding exactly what Kevin Stefanski has done to to get this team to where it is what's what do you think the key factors are to get these guys to buy in and and to turn this team around so quickly I mean
1: that's a good yeah that's a good question I think it's a number of things I think the fir- first and foremost like you said the players are bought in and he's not even a player's coach. Like, it, it's not like Freddie's day spa was last year where players were just kind of doing their own thing. Like,
0: mm-hmm. it, it
1: definitely seems like their structure, it seems like this guy is organized. I think those are big things. I think the, you know, the Haslam said it ad nauseum this offseason, th- this idea of, like, cohesion and, like, work-togetherness, I think helps a rookie head coach significantly. Like Alex Van Pelt as the offensive coordinator, we don't really know what he does behind the scenes, but Stefanski was willing to bring him in anyways and work with the starting franchise quarterback on changing his footwork, which like in year 3 should be unforeseen, but Stefanski was open to it. He was open to bringing in Bill Callahan, who's been a head coach in this league before, to coach the offensive line, which desperately needed help, you know, after everything that we saw last year. So I think it's a number of things of getting the players to buy in, you know, using discipline because the players aren't going to ask for it, but they want discipline. They want the best to be brought out of themselves. And Stefanski certainly puts them in the position to do so on the field. You know, look what he does with his play calling with using Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to better the passing game, to make Baker's life easier, which in turn gets You know, Jarvis involved, Rashard Higgins involved, this sixth round pick, Donovan Peoples-Jones looks like a very nice piece in this offense. Get him involved in his rookie season. Like, and I think the players, they're not dumb. They know that. They're like, man, this guy like cares about us. He's getting us all, you know, involved in the ball game. And I think that just bodes so well for a team. And yeah, like you said, rookie head coach, but he surely doesn't seem like it because, this team, you know, his his like mantra, you, you hate the mantras, you know, you hate the the cliches. Like Mike Pettins was this stupid, like, play like a brown. And then, um you know, Hugh did the hard knocks thing, like the hard knocks thing. And it said, like, the land of hard knocks in Berea or something that they were going to play hard <laughs> football. And the Stefanski's was all bark, no bite. Or no other, vice versa, all bite, no bark. And they've just lived up to that. You know, there there hasn't been a lot of talking. There hasn't been the drama that we had last year. I mean, think this time last year, the Browns were getting ready to play the Arizona Cardinals. To that point, you had the Miles Garrett helmet swing. You had the come-get-me stuff with Jarvis and Odell. You had your head coach wearing a T-shirt created by a Cleveland, you know, t-shirt apparel company that said pittsburgh started it in public in a movie theater taking pictures with fans um a myriad of other things that i that i just can't even you had jesus tony and players storming out of press conferences it was just a it was something new every day It, it was like keeping up with the kardashians in berea and so just to not have those kind of distractions anymore is another thing that's just been light years better for this team because they say, you know we tu- we tune that stuff out. we tune out all the noise that's not coming from this building. It- it's impossible to do that nowadays. You at least pick oh, up yeah. the you at least pick up the crumbs of what people are saying. You want to know what your friends and family are up to. so you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter. you know, you see what people are saying about your team and it's personal. you know we have this year something that bugs me. And I'll say it on here. I didn't want to say it on mine just because I chickened out <laughs>
0: That's okay. Um,
1: Mac Wilson, man. Like why is that guy searching his own name on Twitter and blocking fans that are critical of him and like getting in arguments with media members like, dude, you have not had that good of a year. Like you played football at Alabama, which is arguably, you know, next to Ohio state and Clemson. I'm being a Homer, uh, yeah. the biggest accomplishment that you could have in college football Right. You're right. you're clearly a good player. Work on being better at this level and stay off Twitter, man. Stop blocking random people you don't know who who they are. These idiot fans don't care about your life outside of what happens in those four lines that are the football field. Like those type of distractions were present last year times a million. Speaking of Twitter, we had a safety last year threaten a media member to kill him. Like it, it was just that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it was a mess last year. And you know, I guess it is uh, discipline. I think it's respect for the coach. And I think it's, I think it's, uh, let me say that if if any of this stuff is going on now, and, and I've said this before on the show, but if any of this stuff's going on now, it's all being handled in house. Right. So, so we don't know about it, and, and that's how you're supposed to do it, okay? Um, but I think stuff would still get out somehow, just because of what you're talking about. It, it's so hard to, to completely hide things, but um, I just think these guys respect each other. They respect Stefanski, and they finally respect, um, I think they respect the Cleveland Browns.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> you huge. Know?
0: Um, it, and I think just people didn't, I don't think anybody respected the Cleveland Browns because of, because of the record over the past almost 20 years.
1: Yeah. You know, and I it sucks to harp on the bad and that's what people hate doing, but you're exactly right. People, people respect the Browns and, I want to give a big shout out in the process to Jarvis Landry for that. I think he's responsible for a lot of like the change the culture type stuff, even before that Thursday night game when Baker checked in and beat the Jets. Like it it definitely seemed like when Jarvis was here and he bought in that things were starting to turn around. But even just a few years ago, when you want to talk about the disrespect, even before Owen 16. We had Dwayne Bowe sitting on the sideline, just collecting $9 million, you know, and (laughs) he wasn't a, he wasn't a bad receiver. Like I just don't. And sure. He could have been injured. We will never know what truly happened there. But the, 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 voice, the point of the matter is that didn't seem like a guy to me that was bought in to the organization. That didn't seem to me like a guy that wanted to win for our fan base. Like this team always says, this fan base deserves it more than anyone else. And this team understands that. And, and that's what makes them so likable. Yeah, and
0: I'm going to go back to what I guess before the season with David Njoku with the, the – uh, with demanding the trade and, and all that stuff. And he ends up here in Cleveland. Look at the way he played, right. um, you know, uh, Monday night. And he really looked like a guy who, who was bought in, who, who was trying to take advantage of the opportunity, you know, and, and enjoy playing with his teammates.
1: Yeah. And, engage. You know, and I'm just using him as
0: an example uh, you know, of, of one of the guys on the team, because, you know, he's, he just looks like any other guy out there now. I think they're all, you know, and and it's not like every player we have is perfect, you know. But right. <laughs> um, but these guys are out there trying and playing for each other, and and they're playing and for Stefanski and for the Browns, I think. And it's just a totally different feel. Uh, it it is. just felt it's... like guys were playing, you know, a bunch of individuals sometimes before, um, you know, and I'm sure a lot of that is the coaching. Yeah. Just, you know, having guys know where they need to be. So, you know, so it looks like they're playing as a team, too. But to me, I see I see the effort and it's, um, you know, it, it's just playing different.
1: So yeah, it's refreshing. <laughs> It is.
0: It is. So that brings me to Cody Parkey, who missed oh, a field boy. goal and and an extra point. And the Browns, of course, were down by three before the – before or, yeah, down by three. So, you know, uh, things could have obviously been different if the Browns would have made those kicks. You know, the game may have been played differently. But in theory, anyways, that, that field goal wouldn't have been enough to – for the Ravens to to win the game if he makes those two kicks. So my question for you is this. Um, Cody has had problems in pressure situations before. Is, is he a guy that just can't make kicks under pressure in big games? And is this, is this something that needs to be addressed? Do the Browns need to find another kicker, um, even if it's not this season in the future?
1: Yeah, that... That's a tough question because you hate to like take a job away from somebody like that, but I guess gotcha. that's, kind of jo- that's kind of our job. That's kind of our jobs, like pundits and hosts, is to have these tough conversations. I think long term, my answer there for you, Rod, is yes. I think those problems are apparent. He missed one in the Titans game too, and Baker Mayfield was over was able to kind of put some Febreze on that stink in the first half just because of those magical touchdowns and his the yeah. performance of the whole team really but um yeah i do think it's a up, up He's been very
0: very good this season yeah i i well.
1: think i don't know what it is about those high pressure situations and i know people like to you know jump on them. our people here on twitter but tony grossy asked to fancy that after the game and just said you know it, it's been an issue before like you kind of see as they're showing them on the telecast like the fogginess in his eyes and just like the sheer unconfidence of it all of the entire situation and Stefanski obviously classy dude that he is didn't throw him under the bus and he said you know he's our kicker we need more out of him I'm not gonna just cancel him because of those mistakes what was refreshing to me about the Parky situation is he at least made the kick at the end the (laughs) the extra point at the end because if he would have missed it there I don't know I don't know what you do. The Browns do have a kicker on their practice squad as do a lot of other teams. This season Mm is Matt McCrane who kicked for a little bit with the Oakland Raiders when they were in California still. But I think long-term that's something that needs addressed. And Rod, quite frankly, I don't know how you go about that because we've tried drafting them. We've tried picking up failed kickers from other cities. We we've, we've tried bringing in free agents like we did with Parkey, like, I don't know what the next step is, really. Like it's, you just you just find the kid that kicked that. Nord- yeah, the kid it's that kicked that. It's not easy Nord- job. Nord- and it's
0: not easy to find a kicker that stays around for yeah for a long long time either. Um, it, and this
1: it, and this season they've been bad around the league, so that's definitely why yeah. you don't do it now because it's not like everybody else has been lights out and he's been the only one that's been stinking it up. Because before the last few weeks he's been one of them that's been reliable. So I think you definitely gotta weather the storm with parky for this year yeah yeah
0: yeah, i would agree with you i would agree with you and and i also agree it's not an easy thing to to do you know to to just go out it's kind of like the quarterback thing to a less very much uh, a lesser degree you know when people wanted to just oh let's you know Back before, uh, you know, when, when Baker wasn't exactly lighting it up in the first few games of the season, people were like, oh, you know, we need to – Baker's not the guy. Well, okay. Well, who is, you know? Right. You, you right. still need somebody for that job, and you can't – they're not just lined up on the street, guys, who can come in and, and you know, and kick a 40, 45, 50-yard field goal. Yeah. So, so it's tough. But, yeah, they, I agree with you. I, th- I think – I'm sure they will – at least look for competition. Um, who knows what format that will be, but I would think it would be probably next, uh, you know, next season.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, they usually do that anyways. Like there's usually a camp leg like that comes in, you know, just for yeah. those summer months. So I definitely think that could happen. And then it I, it would probably be, uh, you know, much more competitive you know some years they say oh it's a competition but the other guy is just like a walk on from mount union i think this year you know the the other guy might be somebody that is really about their salt and has what it takes to kick at the nfl level
0: well i mean there, there's a lot of kickers out there now with nfl experience i think you know yeah a lot of guys have been getting cut and you know the other guys getting chances so there's a lot of guys with experience i would think they'll They'll bring somebody like that in.
1: Yeah, they did this time, so we'll see. What's kind of crazy is, and I tweeted about it when it happened, when he missed that first kick, was, interestingly enough, that's what caused the meltdown week one, if you remember. The Browns scored somewhat easily on a, on a pretty nice drive, and then Austin Seibert missed the extra point, and then it just went all downhill from there. <laughs> And then and he, I think he missed a field goal in that game too. And then Par- Parky misses the field goal, and that's why we lose to the same exact team in a different week. It's frustrating, <laughs> but it's a part of the game.
0: That it is. The Browns Blitz is brought to you by Skippin' Stones. Skippin' Stones is at Etsy.com. S k i p p i n s t o n e z. It's not too late to do some Christmas shopping in that in the shop. Skippin' Stones. So check out the handmade items, some sales going on, and special deals on shipping. If you have your Christmas shopping done, how about just supporting small business, whether it's Skipping Stones or somebody else. Take a look, and if you don't want to get something uh, for a gift, why not get something for yourself? Now let's get back to the podcast. So uh, let, let's, uh, let's move on to the defense. Yeah, uh, we knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, Few things, you know. Do you, Do you think the Browns win that game if Trace McSorley doesn't get hurt?
1: Yes, think- I think if I think if Lamar doesn't come back out, you know, at, from the cramps or if he had to go to the bathroom or whatever, whatever it was, <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever it was, you know, poop gate. I think, um, yeah, I think if that's McSorley in there, the Browns find a way to get off the field on fourth and five. And Baker takes a knee and, you know, shakes Lamar his hand and goes into the locker room and we're sitting here having a conversation at 10 and three. I truly do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Same, same here, same here. And before we talk about that, Joe Woods and the defense in general, Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett. Okay. He, he's taken a little bit of heat because he hasn't been, himself since coming back from COVID. okay he's not getting he's not piling up the sacks okay right nick he's he's held constantly and it never gets called but yeah why (laughs) why does this happen and what what can the browns do about this i mean this is um, somebody tweeted this back to me today. It's it's literally um, messing with Miles' legacy, the fact that he can be held on almost every play, tackled out there, grabbed everything, and it's not called. Um, teams could be saying, hey, we watched the tape from last week. Miles was held, you know, 18 times, and they only called it once. Hold right. him. Just tackle him. They won't call it. Right. Right. Um, what what is going on? I mean, the Browns have, the Browns in prior seasons have always been, you know, screwed on penalties, okay? And I always thought when the Browns got better, the penalties would get more even because I think penalties go on the team's reputation. When you stink, you're going to get more penalties called against you because the officials, yeah. you know, and, and it's like you have to earn. It, it's kind of like a, a, in baseball, uh, the respect of a good hitter with a strike zone. It, yeah. I think it's the same thing. Uh, so, and I think we've seen a little bit of that in overall penalties, but Miles is not getting these holding calls. And once he starts getting these holding calls, if it ever happens to where guys can't hold him on every single play, he'll be able to get more sacks. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think the frustrating thing there is that every officiating crew calls every single rule differently. Like that's just a maddening part of the sport is different crews call things differently. As far as Miles' legacy goes, that is definitely like a deep thing that's important to mention. But what kind of sucks about it in the grand scheme of things is is I don't know that the NFL cares about Miles' legacy as much as they care about Lamar Jackson's legacy, as much as they care about Patrick Mahomes' legacy, as Aaron Rodgers' legacy that's already established. The mm-hmm. NFL has gone so much towards you know offense and just creating rules that help the offenses thrive. It's so hard to play any defensive position, let alone end or corner, I think that's just one of those things that unless you get, a like you said, a good officiating crew that's on it that puts on tape that, hey, we're going to call this, so don't hold him every play, or else you're going to be giving up an automatic first down on every single play. Um, I think that could just be a problem that continues. And I love that Miles doesn't use it as an excuse. You know, He's on Twitter after right. the game. like He's like, no, that's a weight room issue. And he uses it like – motivation as if the guy is needs to be in the weight room anymore like before i even recorded this i ate two christmas cookies at 9 p.m like and miles garrett is worrying about getting in the weight room so that's (laughs) encouraging to see but as far as that issue i just don't know how you change it because the nfl just doesn't care about their defensive players right now
0: well, you make you make a great point. They are going to be more protective of the quarterbacks. We know that, but it, it's just it's it's unfortunate because you don't even have to look look for it. it it's almost on yeah. every <laughs> replay that you watch where they're showing from behind the quarterback from behind. You can see Miles coming around the edge, and you can see him either being tackled or grabbed by the tack, you know, by by the uh, one of the linemen.
1: I think it's another on almost every play. I think another thing that could go into it, like, big picture as far as, like, legacy is concerned, is he still getting one per game, really? It's just that they're not in the same, like, huge, timely spots that they were in at the beginning of the season. And I think that that could kind of play into the NFL's, like thinking i know that sounds like such a twisted like almost conspiracy theorist way of looking at it but the nfl knows like hey even with these guys like draped all over his back and tackling him into the turf every single play this guy is still getting a sack per game he's still up there with the nfl you know the defensive player of the year conversation, him and Aaron Donald are the best defensive linemen in the game still, despite this holding problem, despite, you know, coming down with COVID-19 and having to sit out for a few weeks and then, you know, regaining his legs in the games that he was healthy from dealing with some of the, you know, side effect, side effects, symptoms that come from COVID. I think the NFL is just like, yeah, this guy is still all world. He doesn't need our holding calls to, perform and that's just kind of a really twisted way of looking at it but that could be true as well uh,
0: you're you're probably right you're probably right so i'm i'm always going to see it from miles <laughs> standpoint you know from oh, his same. viewpoint yeah. so <laughs> yeah. so anyways uh, we're we're talking uh talking defense in general so uh joe wood's getting some grief i mean the browns defense getting grief um you know, they, they gave up a lot of points. Um,
1: right.
0: You know, that they, fine, they, they gave up a lot of points in the second half in Tennessee. Points that, who cares? Okay. Browns had <laughs> right. Browns had that game won. Um, I really don't care about the points in Tennessee. So the um, Browns had a huge lead. So the, uh, you know, but the game against the Ravens, yeah, they, I mean, there, there were issues, sure. Um, but uh, and, and the main issue is Lamar Jackson, right? <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't think they uh, you know they, they didn't have they didn't have anybody who could uh, you know who could really stick with him. I don't think they I don't think they were really even trying to play a spy on him. Um,
1: no, guess you. you have to have
0: the right guy to do that
1: first of all, right? Um, yeah, um, I. Rod, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I, I'm not gonna like kill Joe Woods for that. Um, no. It sucks, and he gets the grief because he is the defensive coordinator. That's just kind of what you sign up for when you take a job like that. And was he flawless? I, I'm sure not. I'm sure you know he did things that he would have done differently. You know, in hindsight, after seeing how it unfolded and seeing how Lamar was able to really just have his way with us. But when you look at that back seven w- without Denzel Ward, uh, what playmakers really are there? Like, oh, I, I person, I personally like Sione Taki. The mm-hmm. this whole season, I've had fun on Twitter, as has everyone else, with the Anderson Dejo stuff, and I, I started like a campaign of hashtag Free Red Wine to like let him play because. I- who knows, you know, why not just see what you have in him over Sendejo? But um, yeah, in all seriousness, one guy wasn't going to make a difference in that game. It's just the overall lack of talent, you know, on this defense against an all-world team. And we saw the result of that. And that's not something – you know, some fans – I saw people mad on Twitter, shocker, about, you know, oh, good thing we held on to all those draft picks at the deadline and Andrew Barry sat on his hands. These freaking analytic people, you know, people get all bent up over that. <laughs> it's like – Come on, man. Like, one linebacker, rotational linebacker that we would have traded a fifth round pick for at the deadline isn't going to be the reason that you beat the defense. Like, it wouldn't have made that huge of a difference. It's definitely a systemic issue that that just the the defense isn't that talented. And they'll get there. They're going to make some moves. Like, cohesion is part of that. And keeping Joe Woods for another season and keeping Andrew Barry and Stefanski and all three of those jokers <laughs> together at one time, I, I think we're going to yeah. see m- a much improved unit next year.
0: The the defense wasn't really addressed this past off season. I mean, you Grant Delpit obviously, you know, was, was going to be the main piece that was added that they, they, they added some linebackers, but you know, nobody that was going to make, you know, be a big difference maker this season, Um, honestly, uh, BJ Goodson's probably been the best linebacker that they added.
1: Yeah. I've been impressed with him.
0: He's, he's played, he's played a lot. He's, you know, he's been pretty darn good. Um, you know, for a guy who came in, who, who we thought was going to be, you know, who was advertised as a, as a two down linebacker. And he's been, he's been way more than that. Um, you know, it really, the only additions were on, on the defensive line and Billups isn't, you know, Billups took the year off. So, um there's really not much not much attention paid to the defense at all in the off season. I think, you know, this this was essentially a two-year plan and, and not only two, but two-year plan, you know. They wanted to get the offense right this off season and touch the defense a little bit where they could and I, and I think they're going to try to shore up the defense this next off season.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you all the way there. You know, they they hoped, again, I hate to do this, they hoped for more out of Mac Wilson, and he didn't deliver. You know, same with Sione Taki. They hoped that those two guys oh, yeah. could take the year two jump and fill the Christian Kirksey shoes and fill the Joe Schobert shoes, and they weren't able to do that. And yeah, you know, pe- people will gripe about it, but analytically driven front offices don't think highly of that position. I don't know why. I, I I'm not an analytically analytically driven front office myself. Like I don't work for one. But look at the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I don't really know any linebackers on that team. Like they're just serviceable players. But um, definitely you need guys that could that could hold their own. <laughs> and on yeah. Monday we just saw that the majority of ours can't even do that. And that's the cause for concern for me.
0: Well, you know, I'll be, I'll be, I I would much rather see the secondary. And of course we're, there's going to be guys who are back next season. You know, we're, we're sure hoping. So that's going to be a big boost to the secondary anyway. But, you know, I, I think they'll try to add some other guys to the secondary for depth for next season. Do that and give me, you know, give me one linebacker with some speed, you right. know, for next for next season, and I'll take my chances, you know, pretty much with the rest of these guys. If if we can have uh, a much stronger secondary, um, but they they've really asked a lot of of guys who you know who would not have been starting normally. Right.
1: Yeah, so um, that's what's insane. You know, Terrence Mitchell plays every snap of every game, and he yeah. was going into the season as the fourth cornerback, even behind Kevin Johnson, who was yeah. projected to be the nickel. You know, it's just it's crazy what injury could do to a team. It, it's part of the game, but our defense definitely it seems that definitely took its toll on us this year. And having Ward, Greedy, Delpit, like. It's going to look completely different. It's just going to be better, too, because those players, even though Delpit, like it'll technically be his rookie season and greedy, it'll technically be only his second year. Those guys have talent like that's why they were drafted in the position that they were. And it'll it'll just be so much more refreshing to see what the young guys have. And if they don't have it, then. That's fine. You you go and you find a different way if your young guys can't produce for you, but that's to be foreseen for for this year. I think that was the best offense that we're gonna play in in the regular season, and come mm-hmm. playoffs if it were to start today, it's been seen that we could scheme you know against Derek Henry and contain him and the Titans. Yeah. So I'm optimistic about it because we don't play another Lamar Jackson on the schedule, so that's the good news. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I think Joe Woods has done an excellent job with with, uh, you know, overall, I'm talking. I mean, sure, you can pick out the Ravens game, you know, and like you said, he could have changed some things. You know, maybe maybe uh, maybe schemed a little bit differently, <laughs> you know, maybe slowed him down more. But right. It was, like you said, a tough, toughest, uh, probably the toughest challenge he faced all season. Uh, but overall with the with the injuries and with the roster that he had to work with I think he's I think he's done an excellent job he's really gotten some great contributions out of out of some guys that that you really wouldn't expect it out of
1: yeah and and that's the big thing you know it, it's so fun to rip on Sendejo on Twitter because like the fans feel like they need to blame somebody always and like he just happens to be the scapegoat when I mean, it's not his fault either and Kudos yeah. to Joe Woods for putting him in a position where he could play 100 percent of the free safety snaps and be that leader out there at minimum. You know, it's better than yeah. playing 11 on 10. It's better than playing without Sendejo. So. Well, yeah, there's
0: nobody there's nobody else that's going to do any better. I mean, <laughs> right, they exactly. think they think Sendejo's the best guy to be out there, so he's playing. He's giving his best, and that's just how it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely, I think it'll be better. I'm, I'm optimistic on the Browns and it's so weird to say that this late in the season, but Yeah. yeah, you shore up that defense and this team could hang in there with anybody. I mean, even Stephen A. Smith on national TV, who is one of the biggest Browns doubters said the same thing. If their defense can play opportunistic and if we see the same Baker Mayfield that we've seen for the last two weeks, the Browns could beat the Chiefs. Like they could beat anybody because could. they're talented. Like that's it's crazy to say. But if the defense causes turnovers and Baker plays like that, nobody's hanging with the Browns.
0: Well, you think about it, the Browns didn't get did not get a turnover in the Ravens right. game. So if they get a turnover, you know, good chance they won that game too.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of something that's slowed down. Like the seems like the well of turnovers have dried up recently. And it would be nice yeah. to kind of retap into that. Well, come play that going time. again. Yeah, because yeah. come playoff time, that's how teams win playoff games. Like it, it, there's always some kind of, you hate to say fluky moment, but there's always some kind of moment where a play is made, for the lack of better words, that causes a team to win the game and causes a deserving team to lose a game sometimes. You're
0: right. You're right. Hey, I want to look at a uh, couple of stats real quick, and then we'll talk talk a couple minutes about the Giants. Um, for sure, I'm just looking at at Baker's stats and and I know the Browns. It's one game at a time. So when I look <laughs> at player stats, I got to look at their projections and stuff for the season. Uh, you know, Baker Baker has 23 touchdown passes. Got three games left to go. You know what the record is for the Browns, right?
1: I think we're pretty close. It's
0: well, the record the record is 30. Okay. So he needs he needs seven touchdown passes in three games to, to tie the record. So not that Baker's going to be worried about that. He, he's putting together an excellent season, but uh, but he he's on he's uh, he's in range of that. You know. Yeah, and and fair
1: happen. to fair to say that it'll happen eventually if it doesn't happen yeah. this year.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Twenty three touchdowns and eight picks. Um great great numbers definitely great numbers and he, and he's going to easily hit uh, 3000 yards he's almost at 2800 so yeah nice nice year for baker you know i've been putting out tweets every week for uh you know how how many yards per game Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt need to get to a thousand apiece um Nick Chubb's going to get there i don't think Kareem Hunt's going to make it that doesn't diminish any anything at all for the season that that um, Kareem's had, or that the Browns running game has had, um, Nick's got 881 yards. He only needs 119 yards in three games. So that's going to be a piece of cake, but uh, Kareem needs 228 yards, which is about what, 70 some yards a game. Right. And he's just, he's just not getting that many carries. I mean, it, it's possible if he has a big game, but you know, it breaks a long run or something, but um I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. And obviously that's done both getting a thousand yards is not the goal for the Browns.
1: Right. <laughs> this yeah. year. Yeah. That's a good point too. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, um, I mean, he's going to be close. He's going to be close. So probably hit 900 and next to easily hit a thousand. So they're going to be, it's going to be a tremendous season for both of these guys. But, uh, I don't think, I don't think they're going to make that, but, um, Anyways, uh, I like looking at numbers, Nick. I just do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's uh. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, I don't like, I don't like looking at numbers. That's why I picked journalism. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the, the New York giants, they've won, they've won four out of five games.
1: Yeah. And, they're a good team.
0: Uh, yeah, they're, they're, I think they're, their defense has really been winning these games for them. I mean, they haven't—they haven't been giving up any more than like 20 points a game. Um, I and I don't have those numbers right in front of me, but um, their defense has been playing well. Uh, their offense really isn't that scary. No, <laughs> Daniel Jones, he—he uh, th- he came back and played last week, right? So and he. He was he came back from uh, injury and he still looked injured and I'm assuming hoping he's going to be playing again this week.
1: Yeah, you know he's questionable going in. I'm with you though. I I definitely hope that he's the draw between him and Colt. The last thing that we need is a Colt McCoy revenge game. Um, yeah. That's that's the last thing any team needs ever. But um, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. That, that that offense isn't scary. Their defense is good. Like I'm impressed with them overall like even though their offense isn't great like i i'm impressed with what joe judge has been able to do their rookie head coach because when he was hired i was like they really just did what the browns did you know we were all kind of like skeptical because freddie was a running back coach they mm-hmm. all they did he, he was a receiver coach you know turned head coach but he's done a good job and it seems like those players yeah. have bought in as well especially on the defensive side of the football and um a lot i hate to say it. A lot of that is Jabril Peppers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what can you say?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Not going down that path today. Who won the trade?
0: No, but I mean, Jabril was, he was, he was really starting to, you know, to come into his own in Mm -hmm. Cleveland, you know, the the season before the trade. So I'm not surprised that he's doing well. I mean, Daniel Jones, his, his stats are not good. So, um, I don't think you know, I think that uh I think the Browns have have a good chance uh, you know, on defense of being able to slow down the Giants and create some turnovers. Um, you know, some turnovers that could help. And the way the Browns offense is going right now, I don't think we really care what defense shows up. I yeah. think the Browns are gonna score their points. You know, I think the Browns can put up thirty points on pretty much anybody right now.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. It just feels to say. like it yeah, does. It's, it's because like, you know, you, you usually like with the Browns, like in order for them to get a win, you need to get a full 60 minutes out of both sides of the ball. Like that's the only way the Browns are going to win. Like it needs to be a complete mm-hmm. game, no penalties, but it's like now with this team, they found ways to overcome like their deficiencies, which is a very good thing. And yet this game just doesn't freak me out that much, even though it is on the road in New Jersey, it's going to be freezing this weekend. Um, I'm, I'm so excited for it because it's another primetime game. And like, even though the Browns have kind of a small history recently of wetting the bed on primetime games, (laughs) it's just always such a good opportunity in my opinion for just like to put the league on notice. Like everybody watches, you know, Sunday night, everybody watches Monday night. Like it's, it's just awesome to watch. Even if the, even if it's a garbage game and if it's like a shellacking and that's going to be the first thing that they're talking about on Monday morning was like the Browns Baker, you know, Nick Chubb Kareem hunt. And it's so cool to see our little city of Cleveland, like in that big spotlight. And I, I think, you know, for Browns fans, that's something that you have to look forward to for a very long time because why would they not continue to put this team with this head coach in nationally televised games?
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, the, the Browns are a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Uh, the over unders is 45-and-a-half. And on this show with the Browns, we take the over.
1: Oh, yeah. On any show, uh, with any team. You always <laughs> bet the over. You, but you have like, to
0: take the over with the Browns. I mean, there was, what was there, 80, 87 points scored um, Monday night? 87? Is that right?
1: Yeah. Or ridiculous amount. 47 points. Yeah.
0: Or, no, 89.
1: 89. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Almost 90 points. <laughs> Almost um, ninety.
0: I'll, I'll take the over on the forty-five and a half. I, I should actually put money on some of these instead of just saying I'm taking the over.
1: <laughs> I'd yeah. probably be doing pretty good. Yeah, definitely <laughs> the over. And I think they could get that three and a half too. Truthfully, I I think even though I like the Giants, like I don't know why. I guess if if I were to have to pick a team in the NFL outside of the Browns, like the Giants is an okay. One, they're mm. out, out of market, out of division, out of conference, even. Um, uh, I just
0: history.
1: Yeah. Yeah. has some good history. They play in the, this season alone. They're playing inspired right now. So they definitely do scare me from that aspect, but all, all around, we're playing inspired right now too. And we just have way more talent. So this yeah. game just doesn't freak me out that much. I'd take the three and a half and the over, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch if you're a Browns fan and probably not that fun to watch if you're a, uh, if you're a giants fan, how crazy would it be if they got the, you know, the overall, all by themselves. If they just went ahead and took the 45, just the Browns.
0: Wow. That'd be something. Yeah. Well, and that would give them a sweep of the, of the NFC East too.
1: Yeah. Which come on. We, no we, big yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. No big <laughs> deal. Come on. And we, we also swept, you know, the the Jaguars, the Texans, give me a break with that too. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, the only the only guys as that as got them. us were the Raiders.
0: Wow, how about that sweep? Yeah,
1: Two could be I didn't even think about that. Fun fact for you.
0: That's wild. That is wild. So, yeah, so you take the, the Browns? Probably. A long oh time. gosh, I don't, I don't know. And yeah, the last time the Browns swept any, any, uh, <laughs> <Dang. how
1: much laughs> like it,
0: it's it's probably before your time, Nick.
1: I yeah, guess. fair fair to say many many things are recently with these teams. You know, last <laughs> time they were nine and three. Last time they were nine. And, you know, I've yeah. I've gone through that a lot. Uh,
0: we'd have to go back to that ten at six seat season and see who they beat. They may have swept a conference there, but I, right, I, I don't know. That that's been uh, I mean that's been thirteen years ago at that. So right. so um, what's your uh, what's your score prediction? Are you are you giving the Browns the um, forty six points or
1: <laughs> no, nah, I'm not going to give him four. I, 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 I'm crazy, and it is late, but I'm not that crazy. Um, I'm going to go just a, a, co- a very comfortable win. I'm going to pick the Browns to win this game 33-21. to 21. I, I think the Giants have what it takes. You know, they they create some runs at times, but if our front four could get after Danny Dimes, I could see it being even a bigger blowout than that because, I think that Lewis Reddick for the Arizona Cardinals who they played last week, that dude had five sacks by himself in a game. And he's not a defensive tackle or an end. He is like a safety or a linebacker. Like he's a secondary player. So I think if he had five sacks in this game, if I was Danny Dimes, I would be. You know, very nervous to see Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, who's been a very underrated piece of that defense for the Browns. And uh, I think they win comfortably, though, Rod, is what I'm trying to say here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I agree. I'm going to go with almost the same score. I'm I'm just going to say 31-24 because um, okay. I've... I, I, that, that's kind of where I see it. I think the Browns will put up 30. I think, but I think they'll, I think they'll give up some points too. So um, it, this, you know, the Browns' defense is probably not going to shut anybody down um, entirely. So uh, Gi- Giants will score some, but uh, hopefully, hopefully, it, it's a nice, comfortable victory. Even though I only gave them a seven-point win, Giants will score. Uh, Giants will score late. So it won't really be that close,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, maybe some of yeah some of those goofy garbage time touchdowns. I like that some of the like advanced stat websites now, and you probably know more than I do wh- when it comes to the numbers. Like they even factor in garbage time now. Like I, so many people at the bye week like made such a big deal about the point differential, you know, because the Browns are like very ugly in that department, or mm-hmm. definitely and they definitely were at the bye week. Like excluding garbage time though it's not that bad. Like they're not getting outscored by their opponents. It's just in garbage time. You know, they, they kind of pull back the dogs, which causes us all to have minor heart attacks in our living rooms. But as long as they're winning, I guess it works. I'd like to see Stefanski kind of pour it on a little bit more. I know he's a classy dude and it does feel like they pull back a little bit at the end.
0: They do. They do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, some of those games get a little too close.
0: You're right. You're right, but hopefully, uh, hopefully, we're looking at ten and four after this Giants game. That would sure. uh, that would be nice. So uh, I,
1: I think it's likely. Yeah,
0: yeah. So Nick, I, when I brought you in, I didn't even uh, didn't even give out any of your information whatsoever. So <laughs> uh, that's fine. <laughs> we just started talking. So uh, get your Twitter here. It's at Nick Padone twelve. And why don't you tell everybody what? Uh, what you're up to, where they can find you. It's kind of yeah. everywhere.
1: Yeah, definitely kind of everywhere. Just so many places, just trying to give the people as much content as they could consume. Um, working with ESPN Cleveland, obviously that's my biggest, most fun venture. Love those guys and my teammates there. Can't wait for things to be back to normal so we could all be kind of face-to-face together again in an office setting like it was you know, back in March, crazy to believe almost a year ago. Um, you could also find me socially distant on FanSided, fan sided, um, where I cut co- dog pound daily. I cover the Browns for them. Um, Everything from heartbreaking news to analysis to columns to interviews, all that kind of great stuff. And then my own podcast on bigplay.com, which is titled Padone My Take, which is definitely an original name that I thought of myself. And it is a spin off of the popular Pardon the Interruption, as well as um, My Last Name, as well as First Take. So it's a blend of. A myriad of things. So, Padone, my take. Fun podcast. I try to keep things, you know, a little bit more serious. Browns talk, Cavs talk, Indians talk, national sports headlines too. We've had some fun guests on there. Um, For anybody that doesn't know, we've had Kendall Lamb recently after his big touchdown to talk about that. We've had Cavs assistant coach Lindsey Gottlieb. I did a long, like, exclusive interview with Bob Wiley. Hard knocks legend, former Browns coach. I did a long interview with Scott Pollard on what it was like playing with young LeBron. So just a bunch of fun stuff. That's what this is all about. You know, making fun content, engaging the audience. It's sports. Like at the end of the day, it's not politics, it's not covering policy. Like people's lives aren't in danger here. This is all for entertainment and having fun. So that's definitely what I'm all about. And best way to keep you know, up with it at all is just on Twitter, I would say, at NickPadone12.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Hey, Nick, it's been great talking to you, buddy.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's This is so much fun. You know, sit back and talk about the Browns. You you can't beat it. Definitely a lot of fun. And thank you very much for having me on. It's It really is always a blast. Yeah, yeah,
0: it sure is. All right, this has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.